0: Have you ever wanted to do something, but struggled to take the first steps? Had an idea you've loved, but have been too scared to follow through? Been faced with a blank page, open screen, empty room, and just not know where to start? This podcast might just be for you. Hi, I'm Rafaro and you're listening to Starting is the Hardest part. A monthly podcast where I chat to people at the beginning of their creative journeys, working towards their dreams, and in the process of building lives and careers that they love. It's about starting and seeing things through, the highs and the lows. I'll be sharing my experiences, having conversations with people I admire, and hopefully talking to you. So, let's start. I'm 21, I graduate in seven months, and I've purposefully started avoiding family functions to avoid the question that I've been getting the most these days. What are your plans after graduation? It's not that I don't know what I want to do with my life. I do actually, which is quite nice for once. It's that in the past couple of months, I've really begun to understand and see how quickly your life can change, how quickly your path can be rerouted for worse and for better. I've had a couple of conversations with people a little further on in their lives about how things they would have never foreseen were the things that really transformed their lives. Conversations about the rejection that led them to an opportunity they would have otherwise missed, The chance encounter that led to being in the wrong place at the right time. And the heartbreaks that opened them up to adventures they would have never pursued otherwise. So when people ask me, what are your plans after graduation? My answer is, I have some ideas. I also have some plans. And right now I'm excited about my future. But I don't know what's going to happen next week, you know? Everything could change, I could change, something inconvenient could happen that makes what I want to do more difficult, or something amazing could happen that leads me to completely reroute my life. Often it's things that we don't expect that have the biggest effect on our lives, like that of this month's special guest. This month I interviewed Jazz Broughton, a community builder, podcaster and coach. We Skyped and had a really interesting conversation about her career in tech, being multi-passionate, navigating burnout and being your most authentic self in every area of your life. I love this conversation and came away from it with so many tips and ideas that I could implement in my own life and I think you will too. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jazz. So, could you start off with introducing yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Okay, so the who are you is really easy. Um, My name is
1: Jazz Broughton. I'm 29 years old. And what do I do? Uh, I work in tech as a customer success manager. I work with groups and individuals um, as a life coach. And I'm also a workshop facilitator and podcaster.
0: So, when you graduated university, did you know that you wanted to get into coach in speaking and writing no
1: the writing side yes i've always had a love of just words in general like english was always my favorite subject growing up and stuff, but the rest sort of I kind of grew into it. So yeah, didn't know that at all. I graduated with a degree in hospitality. So I thought I was gonna be like an event
0: manager. So what made you make the next step after graduation?
1: So my journey kind of pivoted a lot when I graduated. So I graduated and went into a scheme with a hotel and it was like a grad scheme and it was really great. But there was like no work life balance. So I kind of left that and found myself in property. Um and sort of applying this property, not the property ladder, because that's just a wrong term for it. But um, I started off as an administrator, became a property manager and then started to train as a surveyor. But through doing that, I kind of learned more and more about myself and came to realise that the corporate environment probably wasn't for me. And so I actually left the surveying world halfway through qualifying um, and found myself in a tech role really.
0: Yeah. And so what were your experiences like in tech? Was it something that you enjoyed? Were there aspects of it that kind of made you make that push into going into writing and coaching?
1: Yeah, 100 um, percent. I think working in tech works for me like I've always been a creative person. I've always been a person that has lots of ideas and tech really encouraged me in that. And then it also threw me into the world of startups where you essentially are able to see how easy it is for people to just create their own thing. Or like even on a granular level, like the first job that I worked at, the first company that I worked at, the CEO was pretty much the same age as me. So on a day-to-day basis you're looking at people that's like you're a CTO you're a CEO and we're not wildly different so i kind of worked in tech and actually my journey into coaching um, and then the speaking and facilitation actually started out with an experience of burnout which i think is common in tech um i think it's common in general um you know we're always told to work hard um you know we've got ambitions and we think if we do the late hours and the early mornings that it'll all sort of wrap up so Um, I kind of went that route and uh, it was, I guess it was more intensified because in a startup, there's freedom, but nobody teaches you what to do with it. So you kind of get given this laptop, lots of trust, a 24-hour office building and off you go. So there's also then no real controls when you're coming in early and leaving late, especially if you're in a small company. When I joined, I was like employee number 46. So Uh we all kind of would club together and there was just this culture of getting stuff done which in and of itself was not bad like I'm you know even till this day like many years later I will I will pull a later night if I want to the only difference now is that I'll come in slightly later the next day or you know it wouldn't be a thing that it's like seven days a week or I'm taking the laptop home at weekends like it was that sort of stuff like I had struggled with anxiety since university so that also compounded it as well so I was just operating at a really high level of stress but I didn't realize it because the anxiety had made me feel stressed a lot of the time anyway um but I essentially remember going into work one day and getting out of the tube station having a panic attack and that for me was the moment where I was just like okay something needs to change I kind of got into the office still grabbed my laptop which sounds nuts right I was lost in the source completely Um, so I kind of got in, grabbed my laptop, uh, the head of people, I had a chat with her to let her know, like, I'm going home and obviously she was just like, please don't take your laptop and I was just like, no, but I just, just two emails and you know, that sort of thing and she kind of gave me grace around that (laughs) Um, and I asked her, like, I'll take it, I'll send the two emails and you won't see me online, like, I promise, I'll switch off, like, I know what I need to do to get back. So I kind of took two days out of the office, came back, um, and you know everybody was like oh my gosh you were unwell we missed you this week that's sort all of stuff and I was just like wasn't unwell had a panic attack coming outside of the office and then like a lot of people were like oh my gosh and then a few people were just like I have those too and oh my gosh yeah because at this point like I think that's what happens when you kind of have this huge life lesson where you're just like this is what it is this is what I did wrong and like this is why you shouldn't do it and we deserve better lives like that was my um whole thing so I was very much just like i to the demand, I the first panic attack I've had but I know that it means I'm not taking care of myself I'm not I don't have boundaries like, stuff is important so yeah so from there those conversations I then went back to the head of people and I said look we have something here that we need to do something about because if everybody's struggling with similar sort of side effects of poor work-life balance we need support in terms of getting that balance back right because I don't want other people to burn out we need to kind of Facilitate a culture that is a bit more open in terms of mental health and like things like that. So um, they brought in a coaching company called Sanctus. Um, check them out; they are amazing. And we all got coaching—we got life coaching every two weeks—and there was no stigma around it. It wasn't like, oh, you know, if you have a coaching session, then that's your lunch break. No, it was like, hey, are you popping out for a coffee? Oh no, I'm going around the corner for my coaching session. So it super normalized it, and for me, it was amazing in terms of my road to recovery and my action plan from that experience of burnout. I loved the fact that I could just fix myself. I didn't love it at first, like my first coaching session. I was just like, can you tell me what to do, please? Thank you. <laughs> um. I am here to challenge you I'm here as a sounding board and I was just like okay sounding board is cool but what should I do (laughs) and then after a while I got used to it and I got used to hearing my own voice and figuring out my own solutions to the challenges and my own plan and um all of that stuff and I was just like this is amazing I want to create this space for other people so um from there I kind of sent a lovely email to the head of people and I said look this thing is amazing. I want to learn how to do it for other people. Will you support me in doing this? So I found a sort of course that wrapped around work. And by this time, I was already doing drop in. So I had already messaged them as like people feel comfortable talking to me about mental health because I've been so transparent in mine. Like I'm not qualified, but could I spend some time each week just listening to people who want to be heard? Um, so I was also doing that as well, and was like a mental health champion alongside um, a few other people in the company. So. Yeah, it started off from there. Like I um, started the course in September of 2017, finished it in January, the following January, which was also the same month that I, I got made redundant the December before. So January was a unique month in that it was like the month where I was essentially being paid to job hunt, but also oh. the month that I get certificate. <laughs> So I was just like, let's go, let's launch this thing, January 2018, if I don't do it now. Like, and I think that's the huge thing, like, I couldn't not launch my business because it was like, yeah, you're like your job hunting. But it's to the point where like I was a pro at job hunting by that point, because like I'm looking at the same websites every day. So two hours every day, I figure out which ones are the new ones I haven't applied for. I do that and then it's done. I'm waiting for my phone to ring. So I was just like, this is a perfect opportunity. I'm being paid to do what I want to do, whatever that is figure it out, launch it and do it. Um, And the course was experiential. So like I had to have clients to qualify. So the first step was very much being like, hey, I'm qualified now. pay money? but that's kind of where it all began and from working with people one-to-one um I then kind of got into the workshops and facilitation the first one of those was actually with somebody that I trained with who was absolutely amazing and it was just kind of seeking opportunities to kind of put stuff together I did something international women's day of 2018 and that was like my first workshop but um I found it so natural just because by that point I've been a customer success manager for a while so I'd grown used to standing in front of people and training them on staff or sharing stuff or public speaking so it felt quite natural but it felt nice because it was like I created this entire workshop like the content the exercises the promo like doing the whole thing was so exciting for me at that time um and then from there I just continued to just find more opportunities to kind of show up in that way
0: yeah and then so what were those first few sessions like when it wasn't just somebody that you knew oh my gosh it was amazing because it was like
1: then humans I don't know you what I know about you is what you said to me like when we're warming up for the event so that was so exciting to me like I remember kind of putting up the event on like Eventbrite and just being like I sold a ticket and I don't know this person (laughs) strangers want to come to me (laughs) oh that's so good and it was it was literally one of those moments and then like even So the first workshop that I did, um, the person I was working with, she had a relationship with the venue. So we had had a sort of meeting and discussed sort of partnership and offering for the community and just observing that. And then kind of from that building, um, building my own relationship. So like going to events that are held at other venues and talking to the events manager and being like, hey, I'm a life coach. I like doing workshops you know this is a wonderful space I'd love to host something can we partner and like every time I kind of shot my shot in that sense that was a moment because it was just like oh my gosh you want to work with me you want to give me space yay yeah. uh, so I think that described a lot of the first year for business was like just just throwing something at the wall and seeing what sticks and being exciting excited at everything that sticks.
0: You put on your website that you work with people who are have re- already have everything that they need to start, but they're just trying to find that like final motivation, that final pull to help them. What are the kind of challenges that you found in people like that and how has that impacted the way that you coach other people?
1: So in terms of having the stuff that you need to start, I think a lot of that is, like, I believe that everybody has everything that they need, even more so when you kind of look at it from the sort of first world problems lens. like we have devices like we've got access to people like you can slide into people's dms like you can follow somebody on twitter and if they're open you can message them but more like the grassroots level you can Mm -hmm. find linkedin and see their entire career history people are sharing content online like it's all open for us once we know what we actually want to do. But that's like in terms of business, but in terms of people in themselves, I think a lot of the time, I don't know. It's like when we're children, everybody believes in us. They tell you every day, like you're the future, you're the future of the world, of this generation of London, of your family. Like you get so much in terms of building your esteem. That's amazing. And then you turn into an adult and depending on your like journey, You know, you feel the adulting moment, either like when you're going to uni, when you finish uni or even just going to college for some people. And then that sort of slows down and people stop telling you they believe in you and they stop telling you like you can do anything and be anything that you want to be. So then we kind of stumble through life, like half believing that we're good at stuff and half believing that we can do stuff. And, you know, you see it online and people go, you know, uh, JK Rowling got signed at this age. It's never too late and stuff. And we go, oh, that's nice, but not necessary. Like we don't apply it to ourselves. Not in any way, like we'll give it lip service, but we won't actually be like, wait, if I start this thing now, like, I could have a whole business by X date, or I could have reached this point by X date, you know? So I love working with people and helping them find their potential that's always been there like i like using the term unearthing when it comes to working with people as a coach because it it's there it's there like your confidence your creativity all of it is there it's just you kind of forgot about
0: it i really like that that term that you use the term of unearthing so what are kind of the biggest challenges that you found that other people need to overcome in order to unearth that aspect of themselves
1: huge amount of it is confidence because it takes it takes a certain amount of confidence and bravery to slide into people's dms or to say hey i'm doing this thing um the other thing that i find like procrastination is a huge thing yeah um yeah, Personally, that yeah. I, <laughs> I experience firsthand yeah. um, and a lot of the times when we unpick procrastination it actually leads to fear and those fears are often quite deep-rooted they're often based on your beliefs like what do you believe about what's the worst that could happen and what the best that could happen. And that kind of then gets you kind of, I call it stuck in the mud. Like you get stuck in the mud, but it's just like, I can see the thing, but I don't believe I can get there or I'm scared to take that first step because I feel like I'm going to sink even deeper or like all of that stuff. So I think um, confidence, you know, unpicking the procrastination, unpicking the fear. Um, And then I think a lot of it is the practical stuff. Like as a one-to-one coach, I, I never tell anybody what to do. It's definitely not instructional. It's about kind of amplifying the person's voice. But what I do love about some of the workshops that I do is that I'm able to kind of be like, do this, check this out, talk to this person. Yeah. Because I, a lot of the times, and, and that still comes into a lot of coaching sessions where, you know, one of the, the most powerful questions is, who do you know that can help you with this? Do you need support in this? What is in your way with this? What do you lack? If like resources or money was no issue, what would you do? And then people start to actually think. And I think that's the power of of coaching and of personal development is that it changes your perspective. Like, I think a lot of people's perspectives are limited. It's I can only do what I've seen other people do the end. I don't have this, this and this. So I can never give it a go. Like, and I'll never find somebody who will help me with this. And when you sit down and you think about the life that you live and the things, people and uh, elements that you have access to, you can do anything. Like people sit down online and they learn skills, and then they show up in a job interview and they go, hey, I am this thing. Like I've done the work. I wasn't it six months ago, but I'm this thing now. I'm qualified.
0: Yeah. And so would you say like me personally, whenever I do an interview with somebody or just like chat to somebody, I come away from it. Even if I've like, if it's like a conversation with my friends and I've been trying to help them, I always come away with it with more lessons for myself than for the other person. So would you say that you've learned a lot from coaching about yourself? And if so, what are those things? Oh my gosh, yes.
1: So that's like probably one of the biggest parts of like when you train as a coach, they teach you how to kind of switch off your own thoughts. And remind yourself that it's not about you. So you really learn how to listen really deeply. But part of what makes that easier to do is that you empty your mind before a session and after a session. So if I'm, I'm meeting a client or I'm on a call with a client, I'm not thinking about work because I've taken about 30 minutes to switch off completely. And if I'm thinking on anything, it is literally just about okay, what did we discuss in the last session? Where are we trying to go? You know, where where do we really want to push? And then at the end it's the same as well. So usually my reflections after sessions, that's where like I'm able to journal and be like, when this happened, it resonated with me, but I'm not allowed to feel it in the session. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a bizarre sort of like filing of thoughts and emotions. Yeah. I'd probably say one of the biggest things um it made me realize is that everything isn't accessible to everyone I think we all have different experiences like we all have a different life path so depending on what you've seen certain things will be easier to you to you than other things so like I find myself to be very confident I'm not confident 24 7 not at all um but I know I get that from my dad like my dad is like a social butterfly he gets up and speaks um he's the type of guy where like he'll be in a circle and he's just talking to people at a networking event but you think he's like presenting this big speech but he's just talking (laughs) like that's that's what I grew up watching in terms of like this is how you can talk to people and stuff yeah impact people's lives and all that but it's like hey, I know that that's where I got that from because I had that experience and I saw it. So I think a lot of it was like, it taught me a lot of empathy. It made me think of relationships that I've had in the past where I've probably not connected with somebody because I've been like, how can you not know that like, that would not be okay? Um, So it's stuff like that personally. Yeah. Um, but also I think it's the confidence when I work with people that want to do things that are similar to what I'm doing and again I don't bring myself into the situation it reminds me of why I do what I do it reminds me of how important it is to share my own journey through like amazing things like this through blogging through events just through people that I meet like how important it is to kind of be quite transparent because you lose nothing by doing that I walk away with more knowing that the one experience that I've been through has been able to impact 20 more people because I've just been like, look, this is how it was for me. Um, so I think it is very, very much. Those are the things that I learned. I think if I answered that right.
0: No, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So to um, pivot a little bit, I first heard about your work when you were about to launch the Palm podcast. So I was just wondering, like, where did that initial idea come from? And why do you did you decide to share stories in that way as opposed to just like blogging or Instagram photos?
1: Yeah. I like people. I like them. They are great. (laughs) And even though, like, I've always considered myself to be a writer, Mm -hmm. I realized, and this is one thing that I saw through coaching, through conversation, people say things that they didn't realize they said.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Through conversation, you'll go to places and you'll remind yourself of stuff that you wouldn't if you were writing it down. So if I'd asked people to write their stories, they would intellectualize it that's so true and edit it and yeah talking you're just talking like even when I record episodes with people I say look it's raw uncut fly on the wall stuff so even when I say yeah I'm gonna edit it I'm literally chucking on an intro and an outro and we're putting it out there I want Mm -hmm. people to meet you um so I think that's a huge part of me choosing the podcast I'm a chatty Chatty patty so <laughs> that worked as well
0: <laughs> yeah it's always good to have a chat like me i literally do this podcast i can just speak to people who i find interesting i love it yeah,
1: and it's literally that and i think um and it's so cool that you saw me when i did that so that's like almost a year ago now but um i started that the podcast um not necessarily in podcast form had kind mm-hmm. of dropped in my spirit at the same time the business did But it was always one of those things where it's like, until you actually take form in my mind, I'm going to park you and I'm just going to keep adding notes to you um, until the time is sort of right. So it was about eight months in the making. And then it got to the point where it's just like, I need to do this because it actually started off from the redundancy. So when I got made redundant, I got made redundant with about 40 other people. So it was this really bizarre thing where we were all kind of going to coffee shops and pubs and sitting next to each other on our laptops applying for jobs. And I'd be sitting with my friends and they'd be looking at jobs and they're just like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, but I don't have that. And I don't do that. And I've never done that before. And I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. We've worked together. Like what's happened in the past two weeks that you completely forgot that you did this and you said that and that was your initiative. And you definitely have that skill and that one like is on its way. And and I was just like, wow, you forgot. You forgot yourself. Like you forgot what makes you amazing. You forgot your journey. You forgot your experiences. And I was just like, this is quite sad. Because in in the element of actually applying for a job, it's important for you to have like a grasp on your skills and stuff. Like I'm super passionate about that. Like anybody that I meet and they talk to me about careers, I'm like, write down the things. Write down yeah. every project. Write down what you contributed. Heck, if you were in the meeting and you contributed, note that down. You were part of that project because it would have been different if you weren't there. So I'm a big fan of getting people to do that, but I when I kind of step back and sort of you know you kind of litmus test it, and I'm just like, do you find that you remember your like stuff, or do you think like you get through it or over it, and then you move on to the next? And a lot of people are just like, I just move on to the next, and I was just like, but the things that you've been through, other people could learn from. Yeah, and like you should also take a moment to be like, hell yeah, I'm a badass. I went through that. I did that. That was me. You did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what it was. And then I was just like, I want the project to be inclusive. So I want to choose a number that isn't limited. So I was just like 250. A lot of people think it has like a special significance. It's yeah. just so it just doesn't. So like 250 stories because my vision is to just have a big folio um, of stories where people can go to a website, type in a keyword, so procrastination, climbing mountains, failure, business, motherhood. You name it. I want people to be able to go there and connect with real humans and listen to raw uncut conversations about people's experiences with those things and learn from them. So, so that was like, that's it. That's, that's the vision. Um, I have a long way to go, but I'm not giving up.
0: That's perfect because it's like a great podcast and I think it really needs to be out there in the world. So me, I've had some of my like biggest career slash passion epiphanies in the past year while recording episodes of this podcast because like, as you said, people say things in conversation and they forget it and it's so impactful to other people's lives. So what would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from when you've been doing interviews with other people? Like what kind of little epiphanies or lessons have you taken away from the people you've spoken to?
1: I think the tenacity of humans Mm. the strength of humans like some of my earlier episodes I was talking with a lady and she was telling the story of how she became pregnant and like most people were just like are you gonna slow down and stuff she was like no I'm gonna qualify she legit was like eight and a half months pregnant sitting the final exam for she was learning coaching actually so she was doing coaching qualification but it was an exam and she was just like I brought my mum with me so she was on the other side of the door just in case my was broke, but I was going through it because I needed to do this for me, but also my child. And I was like, wow. Like, people have, you know, and you hear it and you see it in the films where they're like, you work multiple jobs to live the dream or to be able to afford to live in a certain place, but that it's real and um, the toll that it takes on people, the emotional grit that it takes, for people to continue to go for what they want inspires me. Every episode inspires me with that, and I think even more so because, like, the way I I do the podcast is I get people to tell me a little bit of their story, but not all of it. I get like the nice highlight reel on the form, and yeah. then, and it's just like, so you know, this happened in your childhood. You know, you've had this disability, and it's like, you know connect with these people online it's like you wouldn't know that they've overcome all of these things to become where they are um so yeah the tenacity of of humans inspires me like I my favorite thing to do like recording the podcast is now like some kind of therapy for me when I'm feeling down demotivated or like disconnected from my
0: mission I record with someone I like that because it just like kind of renews you inspires you
1: yeah it just reminds me like why I do it my fascination with humans and how amazing we all are as as individuals and, and kind of collectively
0: yeah yeah oh that's so interesting I really like that so you're a multi-passionate person as we were talking about earlier with like the multi-hyphen whatever um and so you do a lot of different projects and you work on like different aspects of your business from the life coaching to the podcasting and as someone who would say that they're quite multi-passionate as well I would say that one of my biggest struggles in the past has been trying to balance all those different aspects of the things that I love so how are you finding balance or how do you think but or what recommendations would you give to other people who are trying to find balance in their life as well balancing different passions so. without getting burnt out
1: <laughs> yeah I think my experience of anxiety and then also depression as well um, my body tells me when I'm doing too much so I try and engineer my life so that I don't get to the point where my body's telling me that I'm doing too much because if my body tells me that I'm doing too much I have a window of about I'm going to say three days to chill out switch off take off more um before it just gets worse and then I'm like conked out um so yeah I would say it's a juggling thing I'd probably say the most important thing is to be honest with yourself about it Mm. like be honest when you've done too much and figure out how you can not do that Google Calendar is my life I probably should have started with that if it (laughs) is not in my diary it doesn't happen and my diaries speak to each other when I started this job I Started it with two weeks in San Francisco. Ah, oh, amazing! Had to make sure that that was in the diary so that people didn't book in with me. Like I use, like I'm, I am a nerd quite naturally. I use tech in my coaching business. So if you go to my website now, you can book directly into my calendar, which means that the calendar needs to be up to date. Oh, nice. So I take that pressure off of myself um in terms of replying to lots of emails and stuff like that um but yeah I started this new job and everything kind of grew out of whack but I knew it was going to so I started to pull back some of my coaching services and I stopped recording for a couple of months actually so it's it's learning that you can do all the things you just can't do them all at once um and you can't do them all at once like anytime that I've tried to do too much I've become disappointed in how i've done any particular thing if that makes sense so if i'm like recording i yeah. have a coaching session and then i'm like writing a blog post please believe that blog post you'll probably never see the light of day because i'm looking at it like who's right what's the point here what are we doing <laughs> um so yeah check everything in a calendar. rely on some tech you know don't be afraid of some tech tech is good i love tech uh, <laughs> and just, just yeah, just evaluate it as time goes on. I think like I'm intentionally multi like Like, um, and I think a lot of that kind of goes back to the childhood. Like, my mom's a graphic designer and an administrator, and my dad's a DJ and a carpenter. My dad, especially, he's been both my entire life. So I've seen him take time off work because he knows that it's wedding season or it's prom mm. season in terms yeah. of the DJ. And I've seen him be himself everywhere. So both of his jobs know that he has the other jobs. So that was the thing for me when I launched my business. It was like, okay, so I'm applying for jobs, but I've also launched a coaching business. How is this going to work? Hmm. And I was just like, there's no other way for it to work for me personally than for it to all be out there all at the same time. So my CV will say coaching. My yeah. LinkedIn will tell you that I do coaching. My website also at the time, it doesn't at the moment, but it had my full CV.
0: And yeah. the
1: button to find my tech experience mm-hmm. because I try my best to be one person, the same person wherever I am. So um, important. Because, like putting up the barriers, it then means you need to maintain it. Or even like when you're talking online, I love interacting with people online. I find people for the podcast through Bumble, like LinkedIn, email, yeah. Twitter. <laughs> I can't. I cannot physically have like a personal account and a business account for every single thing so it's just like mm-hmm. just be the same person and to me, yeah. my experience in both helps the other like a lot of people ask me oh so do you want to run your business full-time and I'm just like no I kind of like doing both yeah like, I'd probably want to do I'd probably want to have more of a split mm-hmm. but I'm happy doing both they feed each other like the skills I pick up in one side I'm able to do the other like it's my career in tech that allowed me to go to San Francisco and allowed me to go to Barcelona and like all of these amazing things that my coaching business probably will one day, but yeah. not today. Yeah. So, you know, I went to San Francisco and then I met with people and I found people that want to be on the podcast. Why? Because I'm the same person everywhere. And it was like, it was a balance.
0: So finally, what are you looking forward to most in the last quarter of 2019? So the last bit of 2019, it is literally
1: just planning what I want my business to look like in 2020. Yeah. Like this year, things that I didn't expect have come along, things that were on my vision board have come up, things that are still on my vision board haven't appeared yet. Um, So a lot of that is there. Um, But I think it's just more like building a foundation, like finding a way to serve the community. Like through my newsletter, through workshops, through the podcast. Like that's a huge part of the end of 2019. Like trying to really get the episodes that I've recorded out, but really gather more and more stories. Um, Because I think that that is, it's a huge part of my mission. It's so fulfilling to me. And if I'm honest, up until like, I took a good six month break from recording from like March until last month. So there's a lot of people that I've met i'm like yeah let's record let's record and it's like okay i'm recording in like three months it's like okay yeah Um, so i think that's a huge thing i think also kind of stepping into myself like the first year of my business was very much like let me try everything and figure out who i am and how i can show up um and also there was a lot of like i hope they like me yay yeah this year it's like no i've done workshops I can pitch. I've worked with clients that have got results. Like I've been able to create content. Um, I'm able to sort of network. I know what I'm about and what I do. So I think 2020 is very much about me stepping into that. It's just setting up the pathway. I think that was a huge thing. This year kind of got out of control in terms of me trying to do too much all at once. The last months of 2019 is about planning ahead so that it feels more seamless.
0: That was such a great conversation. If you wanna learn more about Jazz, attend one of her events or book a life coaching session, visit her website, justjazz.co or follow her on Instagram and Twitter where her handle is also justjazz.co. What can I say, I am a planning stan. I regularly update my vision board, have a pretty detailed, though often changing, five-year plan, and frequently manifest myself buying a beautiful two-floor apartment in the city with skylights, floor-to-ceiling bookshelves, and of course, a rooftop garden where I host an annual bonfire night winter barbecue. And I think for the most part, it serves me well. But one thing that I've learned recently is to step back from the plan sometimes, to look at the world outside your plan and the life that's actually happening to see if something needs to change. If something that you love is no longer good for you, if the idea of busy is putting you on a path towards burnout, and if what you've been striving towards is still what you actually desire. This podcast is about starting. It's called Starting is the Hardest Part. But something that I got from this episode that I hope you got too, especially now as we reach the end of the year, is to really assess your priorities. Look at the life you're living and make the adjustments you need to look after yourself and maintain balance. In two weeks, on November 18th, I'm going to be releasing the second bonus episode in which I'll be talking to Jazz about the hard parts. But until then, I hope you have a great start to November. And if you have a dream you've always wanted to pursue, an idea that won't leave you alone or just a little something that excites you, Today is the perfect day to start. Starting is the Hardest part is a podcast released on the first Monday of every month. You can get in contact with me at the email address startingpod at gmail.com or send me a tweet at faith. That is R-U-F-A-R-O-F-A-I-T-H-H. If you want to help support this podcast, could you do me a massive favour? Send me some feedback. In the show notes, there's a link to the survey for this episode. And I'd love it if you told me what you liked, didn't like or would like to hear more of in the next episode your feedback really helped me grow and make each episode better than the one before so if you can thank you so much and I really hope you have a wonderful few weeks until we chat again and also you know a wonderful life after that but um I think that wonderful life would be sustained by continuing listening to starting it's the hardest part bye